You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody, welcome into an off-season edition of the Garden Report. Bobby Manning, Josue Pavone, uh, or Pavano, as I like to call him from time to time, and Jimmy. Oh, we're not making Pavano that Pavano and Pavano. No, it's it's Pavone. Pavone, exactly right. That's and how unwanted uh, nicknames start. And, and and real quick, we have to say it is pronounced Josue for everyone in the comments who's saying we're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> Correct. That's true. That's true. Thank you. Yeah. Jose Pavano. <laughs> it's Josue Pavone, people. Get used to it. Okay? Get it right. Um, so spitballing on the offseason is not a ton of traction. I think since last we spoke, the Lakers won the NBA title. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that and where that places them kind of in the history of NBA franchises. Ron, if I'm not mistaken, no. that was title number 17. If, well, if we'll get into it, but we'll if, get if into you it. count some other questionable titles. So. Okay. It, we Those are players. counting the 10, 11 years that Red basically bought the NBA, right? You know, so I mean, we're, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Oh. There's a lot to digest in. And we don't talk about yeah, the that. ice capace, whatever <laughs> yeah. that what was called. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let, let's get into it. Uh, the first thing is, is uh, the what are you going to do in the off season? You, you can talk about draft, but nobody knows who any of the players are except for Bobby. Uh, and we'll give him a, we'll give him a Even chance. I'm to getting there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's I want still, Bobby's top three. It's a, it's not a great draft. The Celtics have three Midland picks. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but all you can look at here is free agents and trades and free agents and trades. And for whatever reason, Marcus smart gets less and less popular as you get further away from the season. Um, and so it's always what you remember what he did last and what he did last yeah. was take 75 shots in a game uh, that they lost to the heat and everybody's mad and seems to be getting madder about it. And again, Celtics don't have a lot of options for trades right now. So Marcus, it's a, he's, it's a double whammy with him. He's getting hit both ways. The recent memory of him is a guy who's undisciplined and jacking too many shots and doesn't fit with the players you have, which again, isn't entirely true because he is a distributor and they actually play well when he's on the floor. He just has those moments like game six where he's got to rein it in and he's that's happened before. Uh, the other is he's really only the tradable. He's really got the only guy with a tradable salary uh, and the only asset that you can deal. So naturally his name's going to come up. So, uh, one trade that came up, and I'm going to start with it here, and then we'll kind of kick around other possibilities. On the Simmons and Zach Lowe podcast, uh, a theoretical swap with – nope, you hate it. Pavano doesn't like it. No, <laughs> he, already, he, uh, he already hates it. That's a lead-off. 
Simmons, come on. Simmons. Well, Simmons, it's so funny. Simmons is the boomer devil for young Celtics fans out there, okay? Yo. Uh, oh, so I you just, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly what, yeah. He is, he is, he is just bad boomer. You know, nobody <laughs> wants to hear anything coming out of his mouth. But this scenario was smart. To Golden State, smart plus 14, I believe, to Golden State for the number two pick, which again, it's an uninspired draft. We could kick around some of the players who might be there and we'll let Bobby spitball at that. But at face value, does this is this a deal that you would do if you're the Celtics? Let's start with uh start with Joe Sway. He because obviously he's not liking it. Absolutely 100 percent not. Like I don't understand why people completely forget. And I love the way you led into this uh conversation with Marcus Smart. Like how soon they forget. Do we forget? the old Marcus Smart, like that was the guy that's all of a sudden returned and, and he's like characterized as being that guy just because he had a really, you know, tough series. Let's face it. Yeah, of course. He jacked up shots. He, uh, you know, poor decision-making down the stretch. Yeah, all that, all the above. But I mean, overall, all season long, he hasn't been that guy. You know, he's, he's come a long way from from jacking up shots and, and just taking terrible uh, opportunities, you know, and I just think everyone is just sort of giving him a, a bad rap. This is a huge part of the Celtics' identity, and if the Celtics aren't drooling over a top two pick that they really think they could plug in and make an immediate impact, which I, I just don't see it, honestly, that someone that can really uh, that's worth giving up, someone like Marcus Smart, and giving him giving him up just like that, like I, I just think it's he's just too valuable to throw in a trade like that for someone that you're not 100 sure is going to fit and put the Celtics over the top. If it's not putting you over the top, then I don't want to hear the, the the proposed deal. And most of these deals have been so bad. I mean, this one isn't up there, but like people are just throwing Marcus Smart in trades that they, he shouldn't he just doesn't belong in. It's it's been ridiculous. In a different draft, the idea of trading up into pick number 2 exactly. would, be very, would be very enticing. In a different so, draft, right. I'm still you know, call me a sucker. I'm still looking at like you just gotta. You have your pick of everybody but one player. That just means you have. You gotta just nail one, and it's just in, it's enticing for me. It, it, it to go up that high in the draft is enticing, even it's if. Drastic. this is the thing that with rookies, they need time, and time could be more than a year. We exactly. think of a James Wiseman. Yeah, you're going to take a step back. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about trading any one of the pieces on this team. And it's fun because the idea of mixing things up and shaking things up is always intriguing. But ultimately, the Celtics, looking back toward 2015 now, and Marcus Smart being the center point of that, have developed year in and year out, progressed. Besides 2019, we all know what happened there. They've taken the step to being a veteran team, even the younger pieces on this team, Brown, Tatum, like they're foremost players in this league at this point. So a smart, I, I, I get why his name gets thrown around because the contract's good. It can match with almost anybody. And it's enticing for other teams because he, as we talked about in our last episode, can be that chemistry piece for a team. But I think no matter what, the Celtics are losing something there because you guys talk about the offense. What about the defense? He was just all defense, had one of the best defensive seasons of his career. And that's as critical as anything for a championship. And he's going to be on the bench. I keep saying this. If the team's healthy, he'll be a bench player. And if they're not, they're screwed anyway. As an aside, I'm going to say this about Marcus Smart and defense, okay? And it doesn't. the conversation doesn't have to go here. But I love what he does, uh, you know, uh, 
on the defensive side of the ball and he makes plays and the whole winning plays thing. But honestly, he's not a great on the ball defender against quicker guards and he gets eaten a lot. He gets eaten alive in those matchups. But team really defense and team defense. Yeah, and team defense yeah. is right. That energy is contagious, John. Team we, defense let, let's is face great. it. He's made some other defenders look way better just from being out there. The team defense is great. And he does make plays all over the place in the energy and the attitude. Absolutely. Boxing out. I think that's, but his individual on the ball defense. When you're that's like, fair. stop that guy. Yeah. When that he's guy is these quick juky guards, he's not able to do that. Right. So that to me, it's different. If you can neutralize those guys, uh, 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 Murray, a uh, Booker, and again, you're not facing these guys left and right. I, I but I, I think he struggles uh, with 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 a lot of these players. So separately, uh, Jimmy, your thoughts just initially. And again, what's funny is. This trade was like laughed off as something the Celtics would never in a million years think of. So people are so adamantly against it. I don't think it's a total slam dunk. No, do you? No, it, it's listen. I, I think when Danny Ainge is interested in uh, a draft prospect, we usually hear about it, right? One way or another through the grapevine, we know, you know, he's either showing up to some sort of, you know, tournament, game, event, whatever. We kind of hear. I haven't heard that about any of the players in this draft. I mean, sp specifically with this draft, it's not a deep draft. We know that. Um, but in terms of Marcus Smart as the trade chip, I'm not against that. Now, I'm not, like, actively shopping Marcus Smart, but I understand if I'm the Celtics that if I want to improve my team in one aspect, I know I'm not trading Tatum. I know I'm not trading Brown, right? Those are the two untradeables. I'm not sure what you can get for a Kemba Walker trade. Uh, we're going to talk about Gordon Hayward, but on the last year of his, though, you're pretty limited there. Marcus Mark gives you value not only from what he can provide on the court, but what what his contract, um, you know, what his contract is. So, if you're looking to improve in one area, Marcus Smart is a is a, a valuable piece and some uh, an asset that a lot of teams would be interested in because of all the reasons you guys talked about why you don't want to trade him, how how he is on defense, team defense, what he brings to the team, his intensity. Um, you know, he's a veteran in this league now, believe it or not. And I think he can help a winning team. So why can't he help the Celtics? Well, he can, he has. And I think maybe he, his role obviously changed in the bubble when Gordon Hayward went down and he was doing a lot more than what maybe we wanted to see him do. And it's give or take with him, right? I mean, his gift is his curse at times. And I think like Johnson, when he first started off the video, it's Marcus Smart's very like, what have you done for me lately? So the last thing you remember of Marcus Smart is the shot checking but there are some games when he's diving over the court and he makes the crazy pass or the big rebound he is a versatile defender but he's not a shutdown defender like john said but let me ask let me let me let me ask this okay because this is what's funny i love these i remember at nbc i did uh we did it we did a segment back with like potential trades this was the year that they picked tatum and they had the number one pick and it was like okay oh, you want to trade year. up and get Leonard, you want to do this, you want to do that. So came up with a bunch of trade hypotheticals. And my favorite thing about that segment was both sides were furious saying they would never do it, okay? That's they, this trade, right? <laughs> and that's this trade. Yeah. And the Warriors are like, are you freaking kidding? And that's the thing about this You're going to give the number two pick for this friggin' ham and egger who, you know, 34% <laughs> three-point shooter who plays some defense, a gritty glue guy? I don't want that. I want stars. And that's the whole thing is it's the promise of what may come from something like the two pick of a potential – potential third star you gotta home grow these things this is where i'm this is why i'd be for it but who though 
Who? It, here's Who the thing. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know. It does matter. You but know you have where your ceiling. We want. You know where your ceiling is now, which is play everything perfect, have no injuries, possibly get to the finals, and then who knows what, maybe for the next year or two, or just next year. But in order to get to that next level, you're going to need a third star to pull, to, with, to pull with Tatum and Brown, and chances are you're not going to be able to go super max sign that guy in 2023 because you're going to have one of those teams that has three players and then friggin' nothing, mm -hmm. okay? Right. If you can make the money work. So the best path to that is home grow it. You got to find a way to – it would have been great if you hit a home run on a hero. Again, we're not going to say hero is that guy. But it would have been great if you hit a home run with one of your non-lottery or lower lottery picks. Yeah. But right now, this is the best chance you're going to get to get a guy. And again, right. this is a hypothetical trade. But I do this – Every day of the week, and and, and I because it's just possible that you hit that home so John, run. I'm not looking for next year. Your your championship why? window is this short if you stay with what you've got right now. It's two years, or you possibly extend it into into the Jalen and Jason's prime by hitting a home run. And I would absolutely take that swing. Okay, but that that makes sense. Nope, just what wait, you're no. saying. <laughs> but at the same time, Josue's all in. Okay. At the same just time, Jimmy and then Josue. Yeah. Okay. What you're saying makes sense. You obviously want to spread out the wealth, and you want to have you want to have guys rotating into your into your roster that contribute at all different times of their careers, right? But if you're the Celtics, you're at a point now where you were, you know, you you can make the case that you should have been in the NBA Finals. You're right there. Again, I'm not against trading for Marcus, trading Marcus Smart or Gordon Hayward, but do you trade them for a complete a prospect, somebody you have no idea on, somebody that's not going to help you theoretically next year that much, right? Maybe it could to an extent, but when you make a trade like that, don't you want to make sure you're getting something back that you like a proven commodity, something that can help you take you from Eastern Conference Finals to NBA Finals? And I just don't know if you're the Celtics. If that's the trade that's going to do that for you now, if you're the if you're the Golden State Warriors, I mean that's exactly why they would make the trade, right? Because they're they're having their guys all come back, and they're at the cusp of going from right. you know this might great be the to even greater if they bring yeah. Marcus Smart on. So they're 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 saying, well, we don't think we need a, a top prospect because we're built for NBA Finals already. The Celtics could make that case, except they're set a little bit more for the future. And obviously, if you want to talk about homegrown products, you can just look at the Warriors because that's why they are where they are. And the Celtics Curry, are Clay. starting down that path because exactly. you've already got two. Right. So why do I you agree? They're starting down the that path. path. Yeah. John? No, but What's that? Like, why would you stray from the path? I'm not. I would continue because on. They may, have, they may have. They may have hit their their peak. Where they, I believe they may not their, be able to go any better. I believe they've hit well, their the, peak. Well, the case okay. is. Hold on. Let me, you, let me get into go it. Ahead, go go go. Go. Yeah. Okay. So the, the the reason I say it like that is because look, Danny H has orchestrated this thing somewhat perfectly, right? Not perfect, but nothing's going to be perfect in this league, right? So what I mean by that is you have Marcus Smart at what making what 13, 12 million, right? What a steal! Yeah. Plenty of value there, right? Jalen Brown, and I think this is a move that has been so like overlooked. You lock in Jalen Brown for that amount of dollars, right? Compared to what Jamal Murray made, what we, I don't even want to go down that road, but just, you know, I'm throwing that out there just so you can use that, you know, <laughs> to compare to what Jalen Brown's making. That's a steal and a half, guys. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, these guys need to turn into the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George of the Eastern Conference. Now, look, I know the Clippers didn't do well. I know that story Jesus. didn't do well, but 
what I mean by that is these two guys need to take control of the team. They need to lead the team. You had these two guys locked in. You have Marcus Smart. You know, that's a bargain right there. Why are you going to shake the rock the boat? And trade someone like Marcus. I'm greedy. I'm greedy. Like, I want a third star. This is a huge will Marcus Smart here. allow them? Will Marcus Smart allow them to take the reins, or will he do more of the performances that we saw? See, that's the thing. Look, I'm not. I'm adamant. What happened? I'm adamant. The conference finals. Look, I just think this team has been around each other for quite some time. That they can they can iron those things out. Like I don't think it's the end of the world. Are they this, good enough? Yeah, to I'm at. This team doesn't need I'm to make a drastic trade. It just I don't see. It. They're they're good enough to win, Jimmy. I just think their health's fleeting, which we've seen the last couple of years, and they don't have the depth to sustain when they lose one of their core guys. Now, if they're able to maintain this group for years to come with the Hayward restructure, which is a possibility out of all of this as well, I still think they're in a pretty good spot with their top-end talent to contend. And if they can mix in one good draft pick, it feels like they'll have enough of depth there but uh, what john describes here is important because they don't have tradable contracts into the future especially if you lose hayward and you're not filling out that um, spot there and smart does only have two contracted years left so what you're looking at here is you want to contend now but you also want to have assets alongside brown and tatum for all the years they're going to be here because then you get into the back end of their deals and you still want this to be a competitive team Mm -hmm. i don't like giving up a championship window, which is what you're ultimately doing. I feel like if you're trading Marcus Smart for lesser value, but it is smart to have tradable contracts, assets in the form of draft picks, uh, things that you can carry into the future to, as John said, make that big strike, pulling another star in yeah. the ensuing years, because this group ultimately does only have one or two years. When we think about Kemba's health, too, to win a championship, and that could fly And they past. might not be. They might have swung and missed, you know, because we don't know. One injury and you're done. Yeah. We, so and we don't know. And the best thing about that is, I mean, not to put it this way, but you guys know what I mean. Like, Kemba Walker, if, if that was the case with someone like Jason or Jalen, like, I, I still think these two guys are on their way up. Obviously, Kemba is where he's at in his career, and – you know, this, these next two years are so crucial because they're probably going to be – it's going to be down a hill after that. You're a little bit worried about Kemba's health moving forward. But, again, I, I think you, if you can somewhat go into, uh, you know, limiting his minutes throughout the course of the regular season, making sure he's good to go, you know, come the postseason, I, I think Jalen Brown is that good. I think Jason Tatum is that good. You know, we, we're going to see an all-star season from from Jason uh, from Jalen yeah, Brown. See, I think this we where, agree on that. This, we but that's the thing is, I, I think this is the problem with the Marcus Smart debate. You I just know, think you're locked people, into that window. A lot of people think when you try to get rid of him, you're getting rid of him because you don't like him. It's not that. No, that's not right. It. Yeah. That isn't it. It's like Bobby said and I was saying earlier is you're doing it to, you know, you always have to manage now and down the road. You're you're not. This is not win now or bust. When you have when your core players are 22 and 21, you know what I mean. Is like that. That's not what you're worried about. Winning now, you theoretically have a seven eight year window to build this roster around these people and and make sure that when you know you get to the point where. Tatum's going to ha- start to have choices that you have something here that's worth staying. Cause the one thing you don't want is Mr. Friggin LA or, you know, uh, you know, a 25 year old guy looking around and like Miami's kind of cool. I you know, there's some, there's some legitimate destinations rising and LA is trying to get off that. Well, yeah, so you got to worry about that. Third you have to, you're as much managing for, 
I got to keep these guys here and happy and make sure that I've got the team that they stay. You don't want a Giannis situation or you don't want to go Kawhi, whatever it is. You don't want people looking around like Kyrie Irving situation. Kyrie. Kyrie. So New Jersey's fine. So that's, that could be part of the problem is you have to constantly be building there for, again, for me, the Marcus thing, I would take that swing, even if it makes you a little bit worse. Cause I'm not asking. Let, let me throw some, let me, let me throw some more enticing names at you guys, because you're not going to get excited about the draft because those guys are years away from being important players. But I do think there's two teams out there that would be interesting team partners for Boston. I look at Orlando on the Hayward side. We talk about Nikola Vucevic, uh, Aaron Gordon, those kind of guys, because they're flatlining out there. And I think a Hayward to mix things up there would be intriguing for a team like that. And I look to Sacramento on the smart front because that's a team that had been interested in him in the past. And they're going to have to trade Buddy Heald because of – discontent there i mean it feels like he need he wants to be out of there so that's those are two names that i'm looking that's at a lot of money Celtics. on heels that's a lot of yeah shooting. but is he a better a fit of offensively yeah. you would do that to Marcus smart you would you would send him to sacramento man it's not me it's not me it's danny that's just painful i can I'm hide good. behind danny there you're good with both of those all right well i mean those are the kind of names that i think can at least maintain the Celtics status if they're moving on from either one of those guys it sounds like joe enough. sway wants to retire marcus smart's number next year he won't entertain not yet marcus smart. No, i'm just kidding no man <laughs> i like Vucevic. Don't, go, don't get me wrong i mean i like Vucevic a lot but if you're the, if you're the magic uh, i don't know I, I don't know if you're that if you're eager to push that button and you're thinking gordon hayward is going to be you know this is a couple of years ago and all injuries aside maybe but now i mean He's 30, not to say that he's older, but all these injuries. I mean, teams are just scared of him. I, I honestly Bobby, believe for real. You wouldn't go Anthony Edwards at the two pick there? No. no? I don't like him. Okay. Is there anyone that you, you guys – Wiseman seems to be the Anthony consensus, Edwards, but. Uh, but he's he's probably not NBA re- – he's going to be a uh, year or two. That's how bigs go, yeah. And, so and especially a big that time didn't play to a lick last year, you know? Yeah, yeah. He – he shows a lot of promise in the way uh, the big out there in Phoenix did, but more less refined uh, to me. And he's going to need some work. He's going to need some smoothing over. Like he, he honestly would be good for Golden State because they have more of a, a system around where he won't have to do as much. He can just play 18, 20 minutes a game. And in Boston, they'll be counting on him as the starter. So that wouldn't be ideal. Well, all right. Well, so Marcus – Again, that's not going anywhere. It's going to keep getting no. talked about the merits of doing so, and you're going to hear a bunch of different scenarios on that. Bobby touched on Hayward, so I do want to pivot there, okay? So here's the Celtics-Gordon Hayward conundrum. Um, is Likely he's going to opt in for $34 million because he can't really not. You know, uh, this market, the uncertainty. 36 I think, right? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Okay, so yeah, he's, he's going to take, he, take that. 30, uh, yeah. Um, but this is going to create a problem for the Celtics because if he opts in and then walks, they lose that, they lose it. They lose the space. They lose the asset. They just comes off the books and they can't re-sign a player at his level. So that's a major risk here for the Celtics, almost to the point that I personally believe, and you might you might have to. This is what we're going to debate here. Uh, if he opts in. I think the Celtics have to trade him even if it makes them worse. And again, this goes back to the whole asset conversation of losing or, 
the other, and Bobby alluded to this briefly, is restructure. So that's what we'll throw out here. Let's go on the scenario that Gordon Hayward does, in fact, opt in, which everyone expects he will do. And he does not. One, do you want to restructure him for like a three and 63 and 65, whatever it would take um, to get him back? Uh, or would you rather trade him and, and, and try to roll it up into something? And again, we've heard that Indiana scenario a bunch of times um, with Oladipo and or Turner throw some picks in, make the money work and see what happens. So uh, Jimmy, start with you. What do you think? You know, what, what, what do you want to see happen here? Well, like Marcus Smart, I think Gordon Hayward is expendable. So I, I'm certainly not just going to say, no, you, you know, you have to figure out a way to get this guy back and restructure his deal and sign him to a three-year extension. I mean, you want to talk about injuries or, I mean, we, we all know the story with Gordon Hayward in Boston. So I'm not, I, I don't, weirdly enough, I wouldn't call him injury prone. I think a lot of his injuries have been fluke, but um, I, I'm wondering if that's going to play uh, an effect into how serious the Celtics get with the restructure. Um, but, John, like you said, I mean, the last thing Danny is going to want to see happen is is just watch this guy walk away and get nothing in return and not right. have that cap space. So um, I think he's going to exhaust all options. I, I said it in the last time we, we met. I mean, I, 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 I'm not content with where the Celtics are at the five. Um, I'm not sold on Robert Williams. I hate to say it. Um, I, I, I think that's a risk going into next season, depending on an unknown like him to sort of take that massive step and take you to that next level. So um, if they can, if they, if Gordon Hayward, you know, opts in and the Celtics do find themselves in a position to trade for a big that fits their style of play. And I don't know if it's Miles Turner or whoever it is. I think you absolutely have to look at that. And it goes back into what we we're talking about with Marcus Smart continuously adding, you know, contracts that you can, you know, grow in value, flip, you know, restructure, extend. Yeah, flexibility. Um, exactly. It's part of continuing, you know, building around Jason uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I think that's something they have to look at. Now, a healthy Gordon Hayward, I think we all agree that, you know, a healthy Gordon Hayward probably takes the Celtics what to What is NBA that? Finals. I don't even know what exactly. that is. I, I don't – it's, it's, it's like – you saw that the up until the, the, the yeah. Right? I have Gordon Hayward. Man, might as well be, forget Bobby. It's Jeez, a, it, it might as well be a, the freaking Easter Bunny. Okay, right, so. it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not real. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa, whoa! We uh, mean it doesn't exist. Easter Bunny doesn't exist. Sorry, Easy. Remember I'm when? Sure remember when he? Hey, a fifty percent Hayward saved the Celtics in Game Three of that Heat series. Oh, goody. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I've grown, the idea of trading Hayward has grown on me. I, I'll credit Ryan Bernadoni in that and the extension of that money idea that you want to maintain that over many years instead of just having that right. one bank carry four and bust. Now, I think I think there's value in that and that if you really believe you can win the championship in 2021, you would stick with that and not care if he walks. But, you know, the Bucks are around, the Lakers yeah, are around. There's just no certainty yeah. there. There's no like, certainty. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't look at the Celtics with Hayward as being the super team. But if you restructure him, I think having Hayward still puts you head and shoulders above other teams in terms of that core. Yeah. And you have the certainty that you have him for many years. I, Luckily, this is easy for the Celtics. If he opts out, you can work with him. If he opts in, you can trade him. So the decision becomes fairly easy. And I think what's underrated here is Hayward can actually be very valuable for another team not just because there's the potential of him playing at a star level, but because he clears $34 million off that team's books. Mm -hmm. And even though it won't clear up the Celtics, 
it could open up a max slot or yeah. very close to no, it. Right. He has you know, value. You know, next year. He has value, but you may get a lesser something in return just to yeah. be able to kind of hang on to an asset. So it's it, it's in line with the Marcus Smart conversation. It could theoretically make you worse. I think no one's going to argue the on-floor product It will. It will. It almost certainly yeah, will. No one's going to argue the on-floor product is going to be better if Marcus remains and plays out his contract and whatever happens, happens there. And Hayward restructures or even plays out next year. But if he's there and he's healthy, uh, you know, which I, <laughs> I, <laughs> Hayward's never been healthy, I guess. We all forget the, the bubble. last full year he was the healthy. Bubble was eight games. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> last full year he was healthy. I think he had one kid and he lived in you know thousands of yeah. miles away. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's always happy, right? No. Um. Listen, with Gordon Hayward, I, I think when you <laughs> remember when he said that. No. Yeah. Listen, with, with Gordon Hayward, it it would be easier for the Celtics if he opts in, right? Because you have to trade him. And I think realistically, that's probably what's going to happen. But if you're the Celtics, you have to showcase the guy. You, again, to my point, you have to prove, or at least that's a he, good can, point. he can play to the level that they saw, I guess, 25 months ago, because you guys already forgot. I mean, he did that all season <laughs> long. He balled out. Like, teams that, that doesn't He got hurt well. three but times look, during the year. Right, but listen, listen, if you showcase him, he's going to get value. running into a pick. I mean, he, the guy's made of glass, Josue. We, I, I know we're saying we're not injury prone. If well, a guy John, that's why I'm not saying that this should be the year. That's why I wouldn't want to see the Celtics restructure his deal, honestly. And look, I hate to say it, but like, if you look down the road, I just don't see – I don't think it's worth it. You know, 20 million per. I mean, if you can get I it think down it is lower, because if you can get more than that, that maybe, but that. that's realistically, I see this thing playing out where he opts in because he knows he has to showcase himself, whether it's in Boston or whether it's for another team. And I think if the Indiana Pacers, now here's the only problem with this situation is with the Indiana Pacers, I love Miles Turner. I love that scenario. Oh, I, I hate him. Would, I like him. I think he would play well at the Celtics. Yeah. I like the fit, but to yeah. your, to your point, John, you know, you you lose that trade, but you know you take it because you want to get some value out of the deal, right? But the thing is, how good are the pages going to be come oh, the trade deadline in twenty twenty one? I mean, is TJ Warren gonna like play like he did in the bubble? You know, is, is Oladipo gonna all of a sudden maybe that he sticks around and they ball out and they're fourth in the Eastern Conference? And then how eager are they to to make a move? But there's always a team at the deadline that's eager, right? But again, I mean, with, with Gordon Hayward, it's it's really. I think it boils down to how much do you or how badly do the Celtics want to lose in a trade? Are they going to be stubborn enough to say, you know what, screw it. Let's go into the playoffs. If he leaves, he leaves. Hopefully, you know, we can figure something out. If not, the hell with it. Or if you're Danny, you're saying no matter what, just give me the best offer. See you later, Gordon. I think you do in the offseason and they'll do it too. You want to integrate a guy during the offseason. You want to get that done, have the book set. The decision, it's going to be a tough decision. And not just because of the basketball and who you're getting back and this and that, but you're also trading a guy who signed in Boston. And you want to have some favor for guys who want to come to Boston in the future. It's something that they built over the last five years that never existed before. Sure. And all of a sudden you are running into that Isaiah. And that's a, con that's a consideration oh, because that. when Anthony Davis was on the table, all that stuff drummed up. And you can think about the Lakers and this and that, but it was noise. It was noise around the league. It was noise with agents that they don't care about their players and that they'll ship anybody off at a moment's notice. Plus, we have Brad's relationship with them, which is another thing. You know, Brad thing? likes having him here, and it's a consideration because you do want to keep Brad. Situation like Rozier. 
No, I don't think you could. Do, you're gonna do that with him either. Um, it's just gonna be the 34 straight up, and because if you sign and trade, you hard cap yourself, and they don't want that either. It's tough, but it, it's grown on me because of those future considerations. Yep. I'm not as opposed to it as right. they used to be, but if they can work it out. I work it out with him and make it work long team term. And that's what I hear the Celtics want to do. Yeah. Too. And so that, that's again, it, it seems that you want to get him to do it. You wanted Al to do it though. And it didn't happen again. We're talking about different off season. I know, now. but we're talking different and totally different circumstances for sure. But you don't know. We don't know how happy he is here. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> With idiots like us yelling at him every day, he might hear we're it not and want to get out of we're here. We're not the worst of it, by the way. Okay. There, there's, there's, yeah, Hayward, the radio. you know, if, if smart's a polarizing figure, you know, Hayward is, I mean, there's a lot of people who are tough on him. Uh, I, I don't know. We don't, we don't really know, um, what, uh, what he wants to do beyond, I'm not, I don't want to call it a cash grab, but beyond just cashing in on this season beyond that. I have no idea if he, if, if he's game, I, I mean, if I'm him, I don't do it. I, I take the one year and I see what happens after that. Right, exactly. I, I think it's just all but done pretty much like on both sides. I, I just think if you're Gordon Hayward, like why wouldn't you do that? Showcase yourself and just stick around in Boston where you're a, a, a contending team on the stage, you know, playing in front of millions. When when the schedule, when the schedule comes out, I'm sure the Celtics are going to have plenty of national televised games and that's just his opportunity to showcase himself, especially those first 30, 40 games of the season. Yeah, and they, they and they can win it all with him. Like it's a possibility. It's a real possibility if they stay healthy. Yeah, I would honestly consider not letting him play a game until like game seventy six of the season. Uh, <laughs> Gronkowski, the Gronk move. Don't let him walk. Yeah, come on in, play the last ten games, and then playoffs. That's it. I'd be perfectly fine with that. So the Hayward situation looms, uh, and th those are the two big things there. And we talked a little bit about the offseason. I'll, I'll hit Bobby up here. We do have the draft picks, um, you know. Trade them. Everyone, look, I, the likely scenarios are you roll up, move up a couple of slots theoretically to get a guy you like and package picks. Other things you can do, you can throw picks lower picks in deals with guys you want to essentially give away and convert those into second rounders or something. So say you want to dump Cantor, Ojale and clear those guys out because you just don't want to hold them onto the roster. You could do that. There's stash players there later for sure. Bobby, in your brief, I'm going to give you about 40 seconds to talk about this. No, in your, in your brief study right now, anybody, that's how excited John is right now. Anybody, no, anybody who jumps at you. I love Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro. Those are guys that are going to be 14. there at seven. No, I I think you can move up to five through seven in the so draft that's the thing. with relative if ease. You, with relative ease. There's going to be a lot of teams looking to move back. Maybe, but you'd have to – basically, you you got to send all three of those picks. And, again, most teams don't want three first-rounders in a year, so you actually lose value in doing that. Theoretically, I think you're packaging two. 14, you, could put, you could move players 14 and 26 too, yeah. might not get you to seven. No, I think you'll have to send a player there too. I don't know if it's Langford or some of the other guys. Langford's another Indiana guy that's just ripe on that deal, by the way. you know. To oh, and he's going to miss in the next year too, which kills his value. I'm just saying there's a ton of teams in the lottery looking to move back, and there's not many teams looking to move up. Uh, I like Isaac Okoro. He's at nine right now on a lot of the draft boards. 
defensive guy, uh, can get to the rim, probably a replacement for Semi Ojale, who's going to oh, be gone this offseason. <laughs> Ojo is one, uh, one of the guys I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up and sending out in, in one of these deals. But yeah. Devin Vassell is explosive. Uh, he could be a bench contributor to the team, defends like crazy, uh, probably high end all, def- all defense potential there. His shot looks a little wacky. I've seen his shot in recent weeks. So, you know, yeah. Danny Angel's going to love like him. Way back, right? It's like, boom, yeah. the slingshot. What happened there? I don't know. <laughs> so maybe Way not, not the time to Maybe after seeing but... that, he'll be there at 14. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not counting on it. No, I th- I think they got to move up. They're going to do whatever they can to move up in this draft because I hear the Pistons talking about it. I hear the Knicks talking about moving back. Uh, so there are a number of different teams talking about moving back. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Bobby's going to have more on the draft. We're digging a little deeper here. Uh, what's the draft date, Bobby? November 18th. Okay, so we got a we got a little little under a month, uh, and we will ramp it up there. They've got guys in. They're looking, you know, there's players they're looking at. So I know we're gonna uh, be hearing names pop up, and we're gonna learn a lot more about these guys. Also, as trade scenarios start to pop up, and you start to envision, okay, start looking at that six, seven, eight, nine slot. If you do jump in there, who you might potentially get. Um, and again, it doesn't seem to be the most exciting draft, but it, it, it's certainly more exciting than drafting. An, another wave of Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, and uh, you James know, Young. Uh, you're right, <laughs> James Young. <laughs> Yikes! Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, uh, th- that that, <laughs> that took that just took a week. Can just we took, can oh, we get no. some more names out there? Yep, there's the RJ. Steal of that draft, Juwan Johnson. What about Juwan Johnson? No, no man, that's a touchy subject for Celtics fans. Gershon Yabusele. You don't have the, to say another Juwan name Johnson, other than that. Was it? On the table at that time uh, was Butler and Johnson. Jimmy Butler, and, dude. Jimmy and half the room wanted Butler. Butler and half the room wanted Johnson. That's the story. And they were really debating it hard up until the final thing. And they went with Johnson. And that's still, people close to Ainge say, that's still one that just eats him alive. You know? <laughs> As it should. Because it was, so it was, those were both considered and there was, uh, an argument, a strong argument for both players in that draft, and they went with Johnson. And talk about a guy whose shot just kept getting. <laughs> By the time that thing was done, it was like a soccer throw-in, you know. Yeah, uh, Amir what, Johnson. What year, yeah, definitely. What year was Butler? What year was Butler coming out of college? I'm terrible it, with but, years. I just remember but this. Johnson was a senior. Oh, like he was all nine. Like, everyone yeah. knew who John Johnson was at that point. I don't know what the big. Like, I don't know. That's a kill. That that hey, everyone knew who Carson Edwards was, too. That's how it goes right. with the draft. Right. Uh, 2011. Excuse me, 2011. Last thing I want to move on. Uh, the uh, Lakers won. Deserve Purple it. and gold confetti. They did. Um, it was. They won. I And I said they were going to win. John, you did not. Believe, you didn't believe in the Lakers throughout the entire. Neither did I. Bubble. And yeah, you or Bobby. I think me and Joe were like, no, nah, it's Lakers. Like, it's going to be Lakers. And you guys were like, nope. I thought. Deep enough. Look, I was I was taunting you guys with Heat and Six. But I was I agreed with Bobby that the Heat would make it more competitive than. than, um, than and they than, did. And they did. Uh, they what's did. funny is when they won game five. When Butler saved them there, he was he was given post game interviews like that's all I had, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you oh my god! Did you see him walking? Mean, he did the 
like old man getting out yeah. of his chair, yeah. Yeah. creeping away. <laughs> that was their championship. All of the commentary is like, I did it. We did it, man. You know, it was like, you really didn't do anything, but it kept right. the series competitive. It looked closer than it was with the six games there. Uh, but yep. less about that, more about the, the, the two questions off of it are, I'm never a legacy guy. Uh, I don't think LeBron to me is no greater for having won another championship here than he would be if he played 10 more years and never won again. He's still the best or at worst a fraction behind Jordan who, who's ever played and nothing's going to change it. You keep adding stuff to it. Maybe it makes easier, makes it easier for people to be able to clearly say he's number one. Cause some people are really have a tough time saying he's better how than can you say, how can you say nothing he does is going to, Gonna because he's the same guy to me. The wins are the 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 wins are about the the competition, the team construction, the timing, everything that happens there. You know, like I'm not faulting him for running into monster Golden State teams. If he was he no. he was no lesser of a player there when he wasn't and able he beat to win one. Which like, how much more do you weigh that versus any single one of well, yours? I'm not counting it against him, but I'm saying he can do more. I don't think he can do anything to hurt his legacy. I think he, he can cannot. only make yeah. it he better. Cannot. He cannot. Oh, I agree. He missed yeah. the playoffs. If there was anything, it would have been that. <laughs> I mean, think of, think of it like this. I mean, the way he played this year, and I mean, you could make the case that he was one you know, easily one of the best players from start to finish this year. Into he's in the been bubble. MVP of the league every year right. since year three. Here, okay, he should and, have fifteen MVP <laughs> awards. It's, yeah. it's, and, it's ridiculous that he doesn't. He's the best player every year and it's not right. close but you're going to follow the analytics or the stats or friggin great Giannis is great it doesn't matter LeBron's right. the best player always always and the crazy thing about it to me is that like how old is he 35 right at 35 and people always want 17 to years people want to compare LeBron and MJ all the time Michael Jordan at his age 35 season golfing he, he had retired at his age 35 season and, and LeBron's doing what he's doing at age 35 so I mean, I'm not going to have a LeBron MJ debate right now, but I mean, that's one of the things that you could certainly say. He's like, not I mean, human. Yeah, exactly. It's just He's not crazy. a regular person. All LeBron did. I mean, LeBron played more if years. It's, so it's a unique title. It's a unique title. Wait, hold I, mean, on. I don't know. Bobby Josue, you're going over each other. Josue, what were you saying? Oh, I thought you asked for both of us to talk at the same time. Just keep interrupting each other. Regardless if he's not the, the number one scorer on the team, if you're one of the top two guys and you're leading the team, if you're putting up stats the way he did in the NBA Finals, I mean, you're going to push the needle in terms of that conversation. In this in this championship in particular, it doesn't really bump him up on my list. Maybe a slot or two, but, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want, you want to put him over Jordan, John, you're going to sit there and say if he w goes off and rattles four more titles or four titles in the next six years that you can't even at least say – this is a maybe not more of a conversation, but more of a declaration that he is the greatest. I I have him ahead of Jordan already, and I have for years, so it doesn't change my opinion. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, not you, but but you know anybody else. People opinion, will, right? but it's almost like the Tom Brady conversation. He already won't. established himself as the greatest, and then they're like. Oh, is this a legacy-defining championship? Right. What if he loses? What if Tom Brady right. falls to 500 right. in Super Bowls? Is that going to hurt his chances? You know, like every time right. you serve him up as a chance to add to that resume, there's also a chance theoretically to detract, which I think is nonsense. If he goes to the finals in the next three years and loses them, are are we going to start having the conversation about LeBron's a loser? Because well, he yeah, well, like what Jimmy said, though, he doesn't go down. Like, it doesn't change. No, but he, right. he does. I, I, you know, I have friends who 
can't wait to jump on him for any little anything. reason. They'll never give him credit. They'll say, oh, he jumps from team to team. He puts good teams around him. He's lost, you know, as many titles as he's lost. They refuse to give him credit. It doesn't matter what you do. Oh, this is a fake title. Like, this yeah. title attention, means nothing. Like, attention, morons. Getting right. to the finals and losing is a bigger accomplishment than not getting to not the finals at all. And it's the- like, again, to go to the Brady debate, the Brady versus Montana. Well, Montana's 4-0. and That's great. That means he lost in how many other playoff series right. and he only got to four Super Bowls. Brady's been to a kajillion of them because he wins the AFC. He wins the champ, uh, conference title game. LeBron is there oh, wait, every so what, year. At what, at what year, which appearance was, was it was the – Put it over the top for you, John. Which one was it that was it like you know what, man, this is it. 2016 it's was the just big who he is. It's just who he is and who he's always been. His his total game, his game total is game. nearly perfect. Every single thing that he does defensively, his presence, his passing, his rebounding. If he wanted to, he if in in his athletic prime, if he felt like it, give me you could take Russell West and you could friggin' toss him out the window. LeBron <laughs> James could have averaged a triple double every year of his career if he felt like it. Every single year, without question. If he wants stats, he could get stats. If one year he decided, I'm going to lead the league in scoring, I'm going to score 50 a game, he could have absolutely done that. This he year, could, he, right. he had he his most assists ever. Anything he wants to do at any time, it was almost too yeah. easy for him. Like, he was passing because he was like, this is going to be boring if I just score all the time. He can do anything. That's He's always been that guy for me because I, I think, honestly, he, he could have had whatever he wanted. I'll add this too. The longevity is just unparalleled. We're never going to see anything like that again. Uh, The lack of injuries besides one year. And I thought what was so cool about this title is the fact that a player like Anthony Davis grew up idolizing him and was able to join him in his prime. And you got the story of him playing on Team USA as uh, as a Kentucky player coming into the league. And that set the seeds for him to be able to build that team. That's something people hate about LeBron is that he's orchestrated so many of these teams. But I think especially now that you look at the Lakers and what he's done with the clutch agency, like that's the modern way of winning. That's something that wasn't available to a Michael Jordan. And if Jordan had that possibility, would would he have been as good at that given his ego, given the way he wanted to win? I mean, if there's one thing about LeBron, personality-wise, there's certainly an ego. But game-wise, there is... Uh, ability to defer to Anthony Davis and the yeah. stars around him like you've never seen a star. And people it's, will knock, knock him for that, too. They'll say, oh, he doesn't want to take the big shot or he needs ridiculous. power here or he needs... Well, look at what Wade. he empowered he Davis to do. Davis. Unreal. No, I it's, it, oh, that's a really good point. It's impossible to not have an ego when you're when you're when you are when he, he was good enough to play in the NBA when he was 15 and you know, like right. it's impossible to not have an ego when you've been the chosen one your entire life and to have this much of a spotlight on him. I remember, I mean, I'm working as a night nighttime shift producer at NECN back in the day in LeBron's rookie debut. And we're a Boston outfit, Boston sports station. And I cut three and a half minutes of highlights from his debut. And people are like, what's right. wrong with you? I'm like, this guy, <laughs> man, you know, like, you know, John put John put Boston on. I went, I went down a, yeah. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole like not too long ago during the bubble of just LeBron James like as a like high schooler and like the interviews that he would do like he he sounds I just what, like all he his games did were televised. Then. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he like interviews like if you go back he sounds just like he did then as he does now. It's like crazy. Like his professionalism when he was like was a man. sixteen, off the charts. And like I remember like um after the lottery and it was determined that Cleveland was going to have the first pick, he just went up to the podium with his entire team, 
his high school team and like we answered the questions and i think he even said like he thinks he i'm pretty sure he said he could just start he said i'm probably gonna just take the point guard spot and he's like i think smush parker's the point guard there so i'll probably just take that spot <laughs> like totally nonchalant about it like it was so yeah. perfect he's but, little, anyways to bobby's, we're rambling. to bobby's point oh i'm sorry you're gonna go i was gonna say we're rambling but what i was what i was going to say bobby brought up earlier how anthony davis stated how you know he's always looked up to lebron but Paul Pierce is something similar. He's like, there's really nobody left in the league that will like step up to LeBron James. You know, every player now is a player that looked up to LeBron James and is scared of LeBron James. And maybe you saw that a little bit this year. LeBron was kind of bullying his way, you know, up and down the court at points. And I, you, you got a whole new crop. You don't have like the Paul Pierce's and the, you know, the, the you know, well, you, you had a Vince Carter, but players from that era are all gone. And LeBron's the only one left and he's still doing his thing. And I think players are a little bit intimidated. Yeah, no, I like what Bobby said about uh, Jordan would have done things probably a similar way if he, if he uh, was playing during this time. I, I, I believe in that. But to, to that point, I think that's probably the biggest reason. If you really boil it down, like that's the biggest reason of the debate, right? Like people on the Jordan side are never, ever, ever going to accept the fact that you can never. win titles that way. They're never going to accept the fact that LeBron can switch teams and and, and pick, you know, a, an agent that can bring guys in. Let's face it, guys, 34 years old, 35 years old, like a lot of players out there that people just assume wanted to go out and play for LeBron James or play with them, Kawhi Leonard and all these guys. And we found out that that wasn't the case. So then, you know, Crush uh, or Clutch, excuse me, did what they had to do. And, you know, they orchestrated to get Anthony Davis there and, and the rest is history, which is, I, I think, a lot of the reason why whatever he does from this point forward is sort of going to be looked at differently. What yeah. he did in Cleveland pushed him way higher than anything else, yeah. you know, down 3-1 to come back in that series to knock off that Golden State Warriors team and the way he did it. I mean, that, that I think that alone put him in. A space that where was, I yeah, think that, he sort of popped was, out when it comes to diehard Jordan that was the one. Fans. I don't yeah, think yeah, Jordan – popped out with Jordan fans on, on, on that one. Yeah. I don't think Jordan has anything that matches that. No, you you don't have that to do that by yourself pretty much there. Well, I mean, not by yourself. You had Kyrie, but, I mean, still, that one was incredible. Before we – we could go off on LeBron for a bit. The last thing I want to talk about briefly is, um, you know, for, for Boston fans, this one stung a little bit uh, because it was uh, Title 17. And, again, being – the old man in the panel. Um, I very well remember winning champ banner 16 and it being a, this awesome thing and uh, being so far ahead of the Lakers at that point, it was 16 to nine when the Celtics won that title. And granted the Lakers went on after that and they won in 87, but they've added since then eight titles. Okay. Um, and the Celtics have had one in 33 years. Uh, so it, it's hard well, now to, it's, it's hard to make the argument that Celtics are still the greatest franchise of all time, even though people will want to, uh, want and, me to. <laughs> and certainly when you stack up an all, there was one interesting Twitter debate I saw. Is it possible? Is, does the all Lakers team beat the all NBA team? And the chance, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> Let's let's not forget that the, the, Magic... the, the Lakers have the, the the greatest collection of talent historically right. on their roster. It, it, it depends how you want to look at it. You want to look at it pure talent, players, or you're looking at it as impact to the to the league and impact to the. Will Kareem Shaq, you know, at center, Kobe. Two of those two of those guys is coming off the Magic. bench. Right, exactly. Magic, Kobe, LeBron, Anthony Davis is backup. 
is oh, backing up now. Okay, oh, yeah, but then if we're talking if we're talking impact, right our back. What Bill uh what Bill Russell did, oh, here we you go. know, the color <laughs> barriers. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is a lot of how do you want to look at it? You're talking about talent or we're talking about impact? Success. Because there's no other franchise that impacted the NBA, the basketball Success. world. Not impact. That's the Celtics. That's different. I I I I don't disagree there. I yeah, just mean, I mean you would you would have seen a bunch of goofy you know freaking white dudes dribbling around in the eighties if, if if freaking Red Arback didn't come along. Yeah, <laughs> you would have seen Magic Johnson and, and, and you know the the Celtics dynasty and those guys going going at it. We had a few. Um, well, here's here's my question. <laughs> The Lakers have. You know what I mean? No, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying uh, significance and impact. The Celtics. Uh, okay, pure talent. You're talking. I'm okay. just saying yeah. the most successful and the greatest. That the LA 17 might be more impressive than the Celtics 17. The Celtics won a lot of those at a time when they would have five of the 10 best players in the league on their team because of the way that they were able to manipulate their roster. They won so many in a row and accumulated them over such a tight period of time when they just dominated the NBA but when you space it out over time when uh, you know there's right. more teams and it's more competitive like and in the, into the modern era right. it's really hard to argue against it the Lakers have been the better marketing team and that's gained them a, a lure that I think has put players legends into their lap I mean we look at how they got Kobe by Kobe just basically diverting himself there in the draft Shaq doing everything he could to get himself out of Orlando and go there I think it's more impressive to see what Boston's done with a practice facility in the back of Boston Sports Club for so many years being in a cold weather climate where no one wants to go uh, trading up in drafts for Larry Birds and Bill Russells and just making all these shrewd moves even the latest one with Jason Tatum college Bobby back in the day hellenic college yeah like it, it's been impressive what they've been able to do in spite I was of playing, things i was playing greek league basketball there, right? downstairs and, and joe klein and i started <laughs> running laps upstairs i couldn't believe when i went in 2018 like wow this is where they practice up in wall college i was there playing ball when when Celtics should be working out and stuff it's you know it's and yeah. they were winning championships that was the sports club yeah, well, the training facility in El Segundo is not that sexy either for the Lakers. But anyway, um, I'll say this though: the Lakers may—they have—they won their 17th. The Celtics have 17, but the Celtics 17—they are the Boston Celtics. They have 17 championships in Boston. So, where you guys, we look at the Lakers, five of theirs are in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So He's got the pen because he did the math on this right I before. Just, I just did the subtraction. 17, 17 minus five. You had to write they it out. They have 12. They have 12 in LA. So you can go ahead and talk about organizations and you know, move from town to town. But as far as I'm concerned, the Boston Celtics are still the greatest NBA franchise in existence. You know what? Let's let's, let's put it like this, okay? Such a homer take. Let's give it to That's the Lakers. It. That's now, it. Right? The Lakers just pushed ahead. The next five years, which team is going to win more championships? And I think I that's mean, LA. To Bobby's point, the Lakers, right? To Bobby's point in a, in this whole you know new universe that we're living in and have been living in, it's just hard to imagine you know uh, these these destination warm weather cities not being the dominant ones in the NBA for years to come. It's amazing Milwaukee struck gold with Giannis and he actually wants to stay and they're in the conversation here year after year. But I mean, I don't see how this isn't going to be LA, LA, Miami or New York, Brooklyn for some combination of the next, you know, rest of our lives. You know, I mean, 
Brooklyn, yeah. no, I'm not worried about Brooklyn. Well, the fortunate thing for anytime those teams have money, when three guys oh. get together because they played AAU ball together, and when Tatum looks at Beal and he says, Hey, we're buddies and we have an agent, where do we want to go play together? They're gonna to be looking at one of the New Yorks, the LA, or 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 Miami. I mean, that's just that's it. Dallas. Maybe Chicago has a little reemergence. You know, no, no. Those, that's it. Those are the spots. Those are spots. Which, again, to Bobby's point, why you're fortunate, you've had now three years out of the last however many that a free agent, a top tier free agent, has chosen Boston as a yeah. And I, I think in terms of doing it the old way with tra trading in the draft, with making trades traditionally, Boston's still probably as good as anyone at doing it that way. Right. They just don't have the accessibility to the other channels, and maybe Jason Tatum makes Boston that place. I mean, that's still a key point that they got him, that they made the move and he's become what he's become to where he could eventually become that guy to attract yeah. others. And again, it's, it is interesting because you're talking about, um, you know, that Olympic showcase, you know, that's stuff like that. Is, that's you know, the I mean, very beginning. And that's why the Celtics did that strategically. Yeah. Like send them all. And then here, this is where, I mean, how many allegiances were made playing mm -hmm. on Team USA roster? Jalen and Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Guys, what do you think? That's a, a good one. Don't That's the thing, though. The thing. bubble happened, and you don't think players were talking to each other? Oh, my God. You have no idea. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So they, that's that you know they, they they do have that that is their drawing power but we can go in circles on that there's a ton of stuff it really is interesting you're looking at you know not just this year you're looking at next couple of years you're looking at that 2023 year where you're going to have to do a real roster build to make sure that your position there to have the team and the players that you can surround uh, Jason and Jalen around going into the future. So um, there's short term, there's long term, there's immediate uh, needs that are all going to be addressed. And a lot of stuff that happens here uh, is going to kind of have ripple effect into the into in, in, into the next few years. So it will be interesting when things do get cooking a little bit here in the off season. But uh, you know, we'll have more to talk about next week. Until then, uh, Jimmy Tagano, Bobby Manning. I got to say your name last, Josue, so I don't get say it, right. Don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> and Josue Pavon. They need Perfect. to bring back that, that meme or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. uh, not bad, not bad, though. That's pretty good. Josue Pavon uh, from uh, heavy.com. Uh, wrapping it up here with the Garden Report. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week.